Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Colin Squires. There's a verse that Jesus said. He said, I have come that you may have life and life in all of its fullness. Now, you might think, what's this got to do with Easter? Easter's about the cross, right? Now, Easter is, is maybe like the central point of the whole picture of what the Bible is about. It's like if it was a Netflix series, it would be the cliffhanger ending at the end of season three. You're like, what happens next? You know, that would be Good Friday. Like, come on, edge of your seat. You've got to wait another three months to find out what happened. But this is not three months. It was only three days. This cliffhanger didn't end and then that was it. That's the end of the series. It's been cancelled. No, but this next series starts with today, Easter Sunday. And all of this, all of the Bible, all the message of Jesus is summed up, I would like to say in this. I want to ask you, what's the Bible all about? What's the message of Jesus all about? It's about this, giving. That God gave his son, he gave us life. It was his love for us. He's given us love, lavishly poured out all this stuff. It's about giving. It's why we give Easter eggs and all that kind of thing at Easter. But if one of the things he's come to give us is life in all its fullness, what does that mean? Now, it wouldn't be a family service without a hastily thrown together game show-esque family take part time. So without further ado, let us start our game of Kingdom Faith's Family Fortunes. Now, I hope you all know how this works. I need two families. So loosely families, about four people. It doesn't have to be a family. So I need some younger ones, maybe some grown-up people. Fantastic. That's it. Just, just drag your unwilling parents up here. Perfect. I need another four over this side. Have we got some? Yeah, come on. Drag your mum up here. Great. I need four on each side. Have we got four over here? We've got one, two. I need a couple more. One, two, three, four. Oh, guys, thank you. If you want to stay, high five. If you stay just here on this side, We've got three. Can I have someone else who wants to come and help out this family over here? Just run up. You can be adopted for the day. Yeah, there you go. Thank you very much. So the way Family Fortunes works is yesterday our team surveyed 100 people to ask them a question. And I'm going to ask you the same question. And I want you to see if you can guess what our survey said. Okay, does that make sense? So to start off, if you guys want to move that back way just a little bit. Fantastic, so everyone can see. So let's have the scoreboard up. Fantastic, thank you. And uh, who's our team leader going to be over here? You're going to be the team leader. Okay, what's your name? Mikey. Mikey, you're going to be the team leader. And over here, who's our team leader going to be? What's your name? Kira. Kira, okay, Kira and Mikey. So if you guys would like to come to the middle. Fantastic. Now, the question we asked, you can have a sidekick. The question we asked yesterday was, what do you need in life to have fullness of life. So fullness of life, there it is on the screen. So Mikey, Kira, we asked 100 people, what do you need to have fullness of life? What do you think you need to have fullness of life? The best life ever. Jesus. Jesus. Let's see. Very good answer. Let's see, because that's a great answer from you. But I asked 100 other people, let's see if anyone else said Jesus. Oh no, nobody said Jesus. That's very sad out of 100 people. Okay, let's see. Kira, what do you think? If we ask 100 people, what's the thing you need to have the fullest life possible? Happiness. Happiness. Let's see if it's up there. Yay! Let's see. Our survey says happiness. Very well done. So we've got a point for this team, which means, Mike, if you want to go and join your team, we'll come back to you in a moment. We're going to come over here. So let me ask each of you, 
What do you think might have been another answer that people gave? What do you think? I'll let you think about it for a second. What do you think, Lauren? Love. Love. Let's see. Is it up there? Love, it is. Fantastic. Ten people said the thing you need in life for fullness of life is love. What do you think? Have you got any ideas? Family. Family, let's see. Family, friends, 28 people. It's our top prize. What do they win, Steve? Well, we haven't got any extra prizes organized, Colin. Oh, thanks, Steve. I'm sorry, but fantastic. You got the top one, 28. That gives you guys an extra. We are on three points now. Very good. And what do you think was something else that people said? God, God let's find out. Is it up there? Did they? That's a great answer, but did anyone else say it? Oh no, but it's okay. It was a very good answer. Let's come over here. So we're going to take it over to you guys. What do you think other people might have said? Dave? Money. Money. Let's see. Is it up there? Money. 12 people said you need money to have fullness of life. Nicola, what about you? Chocolate. Chocolate. Let's see. Is, it, is that your answer? Or, let's find out. No, it's not up there. Okay. What do you think might be the, another one that might be up there? Fullness of life. Chocolate. Ooh, we've had chocolate already. It wasn't there. Can you think of anything else? Butterfly. Butterflies? It could be. It could be. I actually think, I actually think that some people, they said things like pets, dogs, animals, things like that. So I think actually that last one, I think might even be, let's find out. It is. Some people said, if you can read it from there, those you might need to put your very focus on, it says, some people said the thing you need most to have fullness of life is coffee. They did have a lot of children and a lot of bags under their eyes, so fair enough. Um, one person said a Lamborghini, cars. Uh, food, good food, cheese, somebody said, and good cheese. Toys was one person's answer. Football, dogs, and one person, this very, very, I thought, kind of sad, um, but maybe logical, but kind of sad answer was low expectations. That's what you need to have the fullest life possible, low expectations. We do still have three up there, so I'm going to throw it back over here. Have you got... Any more that you think, this guy's? What have you got? What is it? Um, Jesus. Was it Jesus? You said that one last time. Would you have a different one? Health. Health. Did you want to say health? Health. Health. Let's see. Is it up there? Health. 11 people. Well done. Well done. And I'm going to give you guys one last opportunity. Have you got one? Have you got one, Mikey? Um, work. Work or job, something like that. Let's see. Is it up there? No, very sad. Well, let's give our contestants a round of applause. Thank you for playing Family Fortunes. Now, I have to be honest with the survey. So let's see, because obviously I can't lie, otherwise it kind of defeats the whole point of the survey. Let's see what our next option, our people's answer was. Some people, two people said meaning, two people said hope, freedom, holidays, fun, kindness. And what was the last one on there? Booze. Three people said you need booze is for have fullness of life. <laughs> but what? So this is what people, the public, all the guys. If you answered, um, can we give? There are some people in here who did the Easter egg hunt who would have answered some of these. Let's give them a round of applause for being our survey. Thank you very much. Couldn't have done it without you. Um, but this is what people's responses are to what does fullness of life mean. But the question that I want to ask is, well, what does God mean? What did Jesus mean when he said, I've got fullness of life for you? And it's funny because looking at it, in some ways, there are a lot of things that are reflected in what people say and actually what I think Jesus is talking about. And the reason I think that 
is because I think inside of us, all of us, there's like a, if you like, a God-shaped hole. He's made us to have his life fit perfectly. It's not a square peg round hole situation. It's like this, this hole that's missing and what he's got fits perfectly. And it looks like not just family and friends, not just happiness or, or money or provision and health and love, not so much booze maybe, um, but it looks like something. And so when people say, I want family, one lady I spoke to, she said, you know, and I said, what about, what is it about family? She said, it's having someone to love. It's having someone that's more than about yourself. I thought that's really, really interesting. And I asked uh, other people about, well, what about, what about happiness? What does that mean? And like, well, you know, I don't, can't really explain it. And so um, what I wanted to look at was, what does the Bible say? What does Jesus want to say when he's talking about this life that he's got to give us? So I've got some Bible verses here. So the first one people said they were talking about was family. So let's see, what, what does the Bible say about family? What does the Bible say about family? There we go. So... This is what God did. He predestined us and lovingly planned for us to be adopted to himself as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the kind intention and good pleasure of his will. God actually wants us to be in family, his family. So we've got kind of fullness of life that is family here on earth. But God's like, I've got this whole nother order of family of fullness of life I want to give you. What else does he say about family? God sets the lonely in families. This is something that's on his heart. What else? Are we We've got one more. So now you are no longer strangers and aliens. Rather, that's like outcasts, not like, you know, kind of aliens. Um, rather, you are fellow citizens with God's people and you belong to God's household. So actually, there is this aspect that what God gives us in Jesus is, is this family, but not just like an earthly family. This family that is mind-blowing and just this family of love and acceptance where God becomes our father. What was the next thing? It was happiness. Um, actually, there's a proverb in the Bible that says this, happy are those who trust in the Lord. Do you know the word that people often think about with Christianity is blessed, right? God bless you. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the etc. Blessed, the word actually means favoured that produces happiness. Or maybe a good translation would be happy, but not happy that's affected by the situation around us. But this this kind of joy that doesn't matter about what what is going around us. It's a joy that sees us through. So, but there is that in, in Jesus. What about, um, oh, there's, we've got another one. Bless, yeah, we've got another one. We, money was the next one. Now, this is where the Bible maybe is a little bit different. What Jesus has for us isn't a huge briefcase full of cash. But Jim Carrey, the famous actor, I'm sure you all know him, he once said, I wish that everyone could have all, be famous and rich and could do all the things they ever dreamed of so that they could realize it's not the answer. And this is what the Bible says about money. It says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it even says that people who, who they make it their sole purpose, actually, they, it's like they're stricken with all kinds of griefs. So the Bible says mm, maybe money or the love of money isn't really it. But at the same time, Jesus does promise this. My God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Jesus. In Jesus, he provides for us everything that we need. 
Um, the next one we had was health. Jeremiah 30 verse 17 says, I will restore to you health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. And this next one, love, 1 John, says we know we rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. So all these things that these hundred people out there and, and so many others, there's a great representation probably of our nation, are thinking, this is, what I can, this is where I could find fullness of life. And Jesus is saying, and you can find all of that in me. All of it, but not just all of it, all of it to another level, another degree, and so much more. Peace, fulfillment, meaning. One person said, I think to have fullness of life, you need to have meaning or purpose. Another one person said, hope. And all of those things are so much more found in Jesus. For me, low expectations are not found in Jesus. <laughs> and, and Jesus actually turned water to wine on the booze one, but I don't think that's where he was going with that one at all. Um, but for me personally, I have found in Jesus, I became a Christian at 17 and I found meaning and purpose and love and freedom and peace and a family and, and all of these things. And I would say, yeah, I live, I live a full life, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done in me. But here's the really important thing to know. And I want to demonstrate like this. When I was about 10 years old, I went to school and we did, uh, you know, when you have like baking class, I can't remember what they call it. In America, it'd be home ec, home economics. And we learned how to make a Devonshire apple cake. Would you like to see it? It's delicious. There it is, Devonshire apple cake. And I loved it. And every week I would come home uh, on a Friday and I would cook a Devonshire apple cake and they were delicious. And each week they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I remember about five or six weeks in asking my mom, how can I make an even bigger one? And, and my brother and I were eating the lots and I think she thought, well, there's about half an apple's worth of fruit on it. It's probably good for them in a way. So um, she said, you can make a tiered one. So just make two and then stack them on top of each other. I was like, yes, this is it. Double or nothing. Let's go big or go home. And I made the biggest Devonshire apple cake you have seen in your life. It was huge. It looked, took like three packs of butter and 18 eggs and like, like a whole field's worth of flour, you know. It was massive. And it came out of the oven and it smelled amazing. I chopped up all the apple, put it on the top, all that kind of thing. And I took this big slice and I sat down with it and I bit into it and I spat it out. It was gross. And I was thinking, what is so bad with this apple cake? It tastes awful. And then I realized, I forgot the sugar. And my mum was thinking, you just, you just cost me like a whole week's worth of shopping of butter, eggs, and flour. You're going to eat that. You're not wasting that. You know, that would feed a village. You're eating that. And so my dessert every day and my snack when I got home from school was this stale, like dry, tasteless, flavorless, just horrible Devonshire apple cake. And I tried to add sugar to it. I tried custard. I tried cream. I tried honey. I tried mushing it up with the honey and trying to add the ingredients back in. But it just never was nice. Because you can't take something that you'd already made and something that was missing and just try and add it in later. It's too late at that point. You know, it's just icing on the top of a really disgusting cake is still a disgusting cake. Do you know what I mean? And so I want to really emphasize this, that Jesus didn't come that we can just have a better life. He said, no, what you need to do to have this full life is take the old life, the life that you had before, and sling it. It's just straight in the bin. Don't even bother trying to keep eating your way through this for the next month. It's horrible. Get that in the bin. And instead, let me give you this new life, this new 
cake that's delicious. And the problem is sometimes we go, yeah, but this is a family recipe. I love this recipe. It's got all my favorite things in. And Jesus is saying, I know you might have the favorite things in your recipe, but trust me, this thing I've got, it tastes so much better. Oh, but what about, what about, I want to put morello cherries in it. Trust me, this is better. But what about, I want to put extra sugar. Trust me, this is better. And whatever our recipe, whatever we think, but this is going to produce something that's a full taste, if you like. Jesus says, no, taste and see that what I've got for you is so much better. Take your old life. This is what's necessary. Take the old life, put it in the bin, but so that you can have my full new life. Now, this, this bit of the Bible verse, I've come that you may have life and life in all of its fullness, is not actually the whole verse. The first bit, it says that it's talking about the devil. There's an enemy. He's called the devil. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Death, destruction. But, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. That's the whole, whole verse. So on the one hand, we've got death. and the other hand, we've got life. And I wanted to just share with you a story of one time when I experienced something of this, of coming very close to, to death and seeing the life of Jesus and what Jesus does in a situation. And um, this story, I've not told this. In fact, I think I've only told this once before recently. And um, it's partly because it's not all my story to tell. But something happened about five years ago. It was on the 23rd of December, just coming up to Christmas. And um, I was staying with, with my lovely wife, Kate, and her family. We weren't married at that point. And um, we were, we were, I was going to be with them for Christmas. And they lived in Southend at the time. And so we went out for a walk in the afternoons, about 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock, something like that, to Southend Pier. And here is Southend Pier. It is the longest pleasure pier in the Northern Hemisphere, 1.34 miles long. You can see the buildings are so tiny in the distance there. It is a, it's so long, there's a train to get you from one end to the other. Unfortunately, when we got there, the train had already closed because they were just about to close the pier because it's the day before Christmas Eve everyone was going home. There weren't many people around. It was a grey, stormy, horrible day. Why were we going for a walk? I have no idea. So at the entrance, there was some delicious donut van that was just finishing up. So I bought a bag of six donuts. I ate five. Kate had one. And um, we were walking along this pier and we're just having a conversation, you know, just walking along, just chatting like any other day, any other walk. And I just looked over the side and there's waves crashing up against the legs of the pier and thinking, goodness me, you wouldn't want to be in that, would you? That doesn't look like a lot of fun. And I said to her, what do you think you should do if like, someone fell in? What would you do? And she said, oh, I don't know, what, what would you do? And I was thinking about it. I said, well, I think I'd take off my shoes because uh, they'd be heavy. They'd only weigh you down. But I think I would keep on my socks and my, my trousers. I'd probably tuck them in to try and keep some warmth in your body, you know, like a bit of a wetsuit, poor man's wetsuit. But I'd take off my jumper because I think that would get very heavy. And I'd take my phone out of my pocket. And I think that would be the best thing. Make sure you had a life ring. I think that's probably what I'd do. And we were just chatting. We are like, well, yeah, that's probably what you would do. Weird conversation to be having. Maybe a little bit macabre. Anyway, we carry on walking along. And uh, we get to the end. And we think, oh, maybe we'd go to, a, to the little cafe there or something like that. Um, but they were shutting. There was one person left there closing down. There was one guy there, I think, walking his dog or something. And there was a family. Um, a husband and a father and a, a husband and a wife and a son. And this son comes running up to us and says, you've got to help me, you've got to help me. My mum's in the water. And we're saying, what, what do you mean your mum's in the water? My mum is in the water. Where's your dad? He's gone in too. And what had happened, this lady, she has, um, she'd obviously been very sad for a very long time. And she'd climbed over the railings at the top of the end of the pier that you can see. 
And she, you should never do that, should you? You should never climb over the railings. It's very, very dangerous. But she climbed over the railings and she fell in. And, uh, and her husband obviously panicked. What he did is he ran down from the end of the pier, you can see, background, you can see there's a little slipway that just comes down on the corner there into the water. And he came down and got in the water down there. But you can see how, what a long way it is from the end of the pier. So he was in the water and it was only a couple of minutes, freezing cold before he was too cold. And he was just, he was stuck. He couldn't go any further. He couldn't get back. He was quite elderly and um, he, he just wasn't going anywhere. And so we're thinking, well, what is going on? This, this, this young man is just out of his mind with worry and panic. His mum's off one end of the pier, his dad's off the other. What's going on? We go to the, to the cafe and we say, quick, call the lifeguard. You know, banging on the door, there's one person left there, thankfully. Call the lifeguard, there are people in the water. Now, because it's the day before Christmas, all the lifeguards have gone home to be with their family. It's in the evening, so a lot of them have sat down and had a glass of wine or two. So trying to find active voluntary lifeguards who could get there in time was providing to be was was proving to be very difficult. But there was this one guy with his with his dog, and he was calling and on the phone to them and saying they're on their way, they're on their way. So we're just calling over to the to the woman. Let's for the sake of the story call her Carol. And say, Carol, just it's okay, the lifeguard's on the way. Just keep swimming, keep swimming towards us. Are you doing okay? Just trying to keep her engaged and talking to her. She'd she'd gone in and she immediately had thought, this is a bad decision, this is a bad idea. And she was crying out and she was panicked and she was saying, help me, help me, help me. So we throw a ring out to the, to the father and hope that he can get to it because he's drifting out. There's a current that's taking them further and further away. So we just throw one. Thankfully, he manages to get to it. But we throw her a ring and she's just so tired, she can't swim to the ring. And she's getting more and more tired. And we're probably here about 15, 20 minutes. And my wife, Kate, is just talking to the young boy and just trying to console him and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And as we're calling, saying, Carol, it's okay. The lifeguard are on their way. Just keep swimming. Just keep coming towards us. She's getting quieter and quieter and quieter to the point where she stops responding. And we're calling out, Carol, are you okay? And she's just drifting in the water. There's no response from her anymore. And I, and I turn to Kate and Kate looks at me and we, our eyes kind of meet. And you know that moment of... This is why we're here, isn't it? This is why we're here today. This is what God has brought us here for today. And, um, and I was just thinking, like, I've just, I've just filled myself with, like, a million calories from a whole bunch of donuts. And we've just talked through a step-by-step logical process of what you should do to save somebody if they go into the water. And about six months earlier, God had challenged me while on holiday in Montenegro to challenge and overcome my fear of open water by, with a friend of mine who's a very strong swimmer to practice swimming further and further every day out over the bay till I could swim a mile across the bay across open water, which before I'd have been terrified of. And God was like, come on, Colin, it's time to see this thing defeated. So he'd been leading up to this moment and I knew it and Kate knew it. And, and so without saying anything, I think I took off my shoes, took my phone, gave it to her, took off my, my jumper, grabbed a life ring, climbed down to the, the lowest point I could and jumped into the water. And I went out to this lady and by the time I get to her, she's floating on her back. She's not responsive. I can't um, hear any breath. And so I'm just wrapped my arms around her and I'm, I'm just, you know, trying to get as much water out of her as I can and hitting her chest. And she starts to cough and um, a little water comes out, but she's still barely conscious. And so I'm just trying to rub her chest, trying to keep her warm, just holding her to myself. Just saying, come on, Carol, it's going to be okay. God's in this. And I'm praying over her and I'm just saying, Jesus, you've got to get us out of this mess. I know that you're in this, but you've got to save us. You've got to help us. Because by the way, the last thing you should do is ever get into the water. I want to stress that is not the right thing to do. It ends up putting yourself in danger. And then there were three people in the water in danger of hypothermia and death rather than one. You should leave it to 
to the lifeguard. But I knew God was in this. And so um, we're drifting further and further away from the pier as the current's taking us out. And I'm swimming as hard as I can to try and stay close so that we can stay so the lifeguard will know where we are. And, uh, and we keep shouting, yeah, we're, we're doing okay. And I keep saying to Carol, come on, it's going to be all right. You need to go and look after your son. I'm praying for her. I say, Carol, I don't know if you believe any of this stuff, but I do. I'm just praying, you know, Jesus is going to sort it all out. It's going to be okay. And, uh, and she starts to bit by bit to wake up, become more conscious. But as she does, she gets more and more panicked. And she starts just beating her arms around her. Her head goes under the water again and comes up. And so I make the probably the worst decision. And I think, if I can get this ring on her, then she'll be okay. So I take the ring off and I put it over her head and her, manage to get her arms through. And then she's sort of floating with her head out of the water. She's okay. But what she starts doing is pushing me down, trying to, in her panic, trying to stay above the water. And she's pushing my head underwater, which is very, very cold. It's 23rd of December in the Thames. And um, it's very, very cold. And I start to think, hmm, was this the best idea I've ever had? I'm not really sure. And, uh, and I'm starting to get more and more and more tired, more and more and more cold, further and further out. And I, I just say to her, right, this is it. Something's got to change because otherwise I know this could not end well. And I say to her, I say, Carol, I want you to agree with me right now. I'm going to pray because God is going to deliver us from this. Jesus' name, right now, the lifeguard is going to come and God is going to rescue us. Amen. And I was like, come on, Carol, say amen with me. And she, she's like, ah, all over the place. And at that moment, the moment I say amen, two things happened at the same time. The first is we see a light come on on the horizon. It's the light of the hovercraft that's coming out of the lifeguard to save us. But it's still a long way out. It'll still probably be another five minutes before it gets to us. And I don't know if we've got five minutes with her pushing me down and under the water and things. But the other thing that happened at that same moment is my feet suddenly were on something solid. I was stood on ground and I stood up my head and shoulders above the water. We're at the longest pleasure pier in the Northern Hemisphere, 1.34 miles out to sea, and I stand on land. That is God. That is God. That doesn't happen. You know, like a submarine happened to come out. Oh, what? I don't know. I stood on ground and I was head and shoulders out of the water and she wasn't pushing me anymore. I was able to hold her up. And a few minutes later, the hovercraft came. And as they came, I was able to lift her out of the water into the thing. And they're looking like, what is going on here? But it's okay. Get her in. Get her in. They grab me and they rescue us both. Thank you, Jesus. I think that deserves a round of applause to God because, I mean... He worked a miracle that saved us both. And I knew he would because he'd already spoken. I knew he would. But the, the reason I tell this story is because when Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life in all its fullness, it's not some kind of intangible, like, happiness. It'll just be nicer kind of life. The life that he gives is tangible, is present, is real, is miraculous, and is now. That in our times when we're in utter distress and there's nothing we can do, we call on the name of Jesus and there in life... He works a miracle. Also, it's a picture of this difference. It's not kind of life or a better life. It's death or life. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus come that you may have life. Now, Jesus didn't dive into the sea to save us, but kind of metaphorically, that's exactly what he did. He was in heaven and he made the decision, I love you. And I can see that my people, the people that I love, they're drowning in what the Bible calls sin. In their own self-effort, in their own selfishness, their own pride, I put my hand up and say, yeah, that was my life. And Jesus, he dove in, not with a life ring, but with the cross. 
And he came and swam out to every one of us and took us by the hand, if we're willing to take it, and says, come with me. Let me pull you out of this sin, out of this sea of lostness that you've been in. Let me pull you out of that and put your feet upon the rock that is the life that I have for you, that's not shakable or changeable, where you won't drown when you're stood on dry land with me. And so... This is the picture of the life that Jesus has for us. Not just rescued, but rescued and then given something incredibly new that that nothing else could ever touch. I want to just, I'm going to ask Toby and Tim to come up. I'm going to ask us to stand up this morning on Easter Day. And I want to give you the opportunity to be able to respond to what Jesus wants to say to you this morning. Jesus, thank you. You know, when, when the lifeguards came out to us, they didn't come and go, guys, see you're drowning. We brought you a sandwich. We thought it might make this life a little bit better, you know. Jesus didn't come just to make life better. He came and said, you need to lose your old life and have this new life that I have for you. So I want to invite you right now, just to everyone close our eyes for a moment. And if you know, man, I need saving. I know I've been drowning in my own life. I've been following my recipe and the flavor's not good. I need saving. I need a savior. Then I want to invite you just to just to pray right now. That's just talking to God and just say something like this. Jesus, save me. Save me, lift me out of this sea that I've been in of sin. Father, please forgive me, lift me out of where I've been and set my feet on the rock of Jesus. I believe you are the Saviour Jesus, the only one who could save me. Would you make, would you be my Lord, my King, my God? And if that's, if that's your prayer right now, maybe your heart is beating in your chest, you're going, I know this needs to be me. Don't miss out on this opportunity. And I want to encourage you, whether you're the youngest person here or the oldest, if that is you, to respond physically right now while everyone's got their eyes closed. And just like that person reaching out for the lifeguard to grab their hand, to be pulled out of the sea, would you just raise your hand right now? Just like, like you're taking hold of Jesus. That is awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Just you're reaching your hand up and you're taking hold of his hand saying, Jesus, thank you, you can save me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That is awesome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, equally, if you are a person who, you know, maybe you're a Christian already, and you know, God's been speaking to us about about people who don't know God, about people who have need, about the people around us. And we've been on the pier, so to speak. And God's saying, go, 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 go save this, go help this person, go jump into their situation. Father, let's just respond right now as well. Just say, Father, forgive me for where I've sat in safety when there are people around me that need help. Father, thank you that you send me and you always are going to be able to lift us out of every situation that you go with me. Just make that decision right now. Jesus, even today, even this week, there's a situation you know you need to get involved in and just go and take love and peace and just go and meet a need. Thank you, Jesus.
And if you're one of those people that, that lifted your hand up and took hold of, the, of the, the hand of Jesus just now, I want to tell you that is the most incredible first step you could take into this life that Jesus has. And as you prayed it, it's like he's taken your life and he's set you on the rock, but you're still dripping wet. You've still got these old cold clothes on. And what he wants to do is say, let's get rid of all this old stuff, this old clothes, and put this new robe, this new life I have on for you. That is what the Bible calls repentance. And if that's for you, you're like, I, I know Jesus can save me. And now I want to get rid of all the old stuff and step in the fullness of life that he has for me. Then I encourage you, if, someone, if you came with someone, just give them a nudge right now. Just say, yeah, I just did that. And I would love it if you would come in and just tell me that and I can help you talk to you about that next step, about what is repentance? What does that mean? All those kind of things. We talk about that. But for those of you who just lifted your hands, that is the most amazing first step. There are two, two Bible verses that I love. The first is when Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's an arm's length away. The other is when it says, God's arm is not too short to save. He'll never reach out anywhere. You can never be anywhere where he reaches, where he can't quite get to you. His arm is not too short to save. So whether you pray this morning or you want to pray this evening or sometime next week, next month, next year, I want you always remember that God is always at hand the moment that you call upon his name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com. 